Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Wednesday afternoon. I finished my uh, cardiac rehab for today, and uh, I'm behind, so let me uh, jump into uh, catching up on my podcast here. And uh, last week I had too much porn stuff to do, my summum bonum. Uh, talk, so let me do it today, uh, sponsored by Mishpacha Stefanski, it's their project, for which we th- I thank them, and uh, now I'm going to go mamash into someone bonum, what's the schar, last time we talked about the Onish, which are strange ideas, the way the Ramban writes it, the Rambab, as opposed to Ramban in my way of thinking, is very into sharp distinctions, this is physical, this is not, get over it, this is, you know, to be taken literally, this is not, and Ramban is very offended by this because you're imposing logical categories of Basavadam on statements in the Torah Chazal. How do you heck do you know what you're talking about? And he has a you know a much greater respect for trying to follow the plain meaning of the words of the Torah Chazal, although not necessarily the literal ones. You know, the Ramban is not like that. So it's just a strange way of thinking. So let's get into this. He has a section here obviously, in the Shargamul, where he talks about Schar Gan Eden, but Schar Olam Habo. But what does that mean? Words, what do you get for the good life? Now, Gan Eden and Olam Habo, to, you know, to the, is, is, you know, in some respects, it's not, they're, they're, they're uh, synonyms, but in other respects, they're not. They're two different things. So, not only that, but the Ramban would agree with that, but he wouldn't even say the word Gan Eden itself you know, has different meanings. And so, he says, on, on this subject, uh, when you talk about what do you get the schar for living the good life, the mitzvahs, I do agree that the final uh, goal at the end of the line is olam haba. But there's an intermediate, almost preparatory kind of schar, which comes So it's it's funny. Um, first comes Ganadin, as we'll see what that means, sort of. And then later, if you're Zoche, you get to Olam Habo. Okay? Now, the style of Ramban is he makes a statement and brings 20 Chazals to back himself up. And, you know, that's good, but I'm not going to go through all that. All we'll say is that he sees Ganadin. And I'm talking about the non-physical one because he believes also in a physical Ganadin. And he believes in a Ganadin in which is both physical and non-physical at the same time, kind of a blend, uh, as we shall see. And let's say you're righteous and let's say you have a physical death, then the first thing you do is you go immediately you go to Ganadin before you get to Olam Haba, even though time shouldn't be an element in the non-physical world, but apparently there is. Okay? Or these are stages, perhaps. And uh, I'm skipping around. So what exactly would there be for the nefesh in a Gan Eden? Okay? And he says, listen, uh, 
there is a place called Gareden here on earth, like a Shangri-La. In other words, it's, it's a physical place hidden away. Sha'ar ben Har is Yosemisham, and that's the four rivers in the beginning of Genesis. Okay, Vechem and Sober Yisrael. And he emphasizes, Koma Shakasa Bibshuti, Seder Bracious, Hakalemis, Ain Mikriyotsmin Ibshuto. When you read the six days of creation, unlike the Rambam, everything means Pashib Shat. I didn't say literal, but yes, Pashib Shat. Okay? And therefore, if it says Nahar Yotse Me Aden, Vishka Zagan, there's a place called Aden, which is the source of a certain river. Just like, uh, you know, there's a place in America, which is the source of the Mississippi. So there's a place over there, Nahar Yotse Me Aden. Aden is, is a place which is the source of a river, over a set of rivers. Okay? Um, and then he goes on to say strange things, which is that uh, it might be below the equator. You know, it could be somewhere by the equator, because remember, the Ramban lived in the 13th century. That time, nobody went that far down. 200 years later, Vasco da Gama, the Portuguese, went down, you know. But this is before that, and even as stories about, you know, Jews who, and uh, and Greek travelers, uh, Esplokinus, who, uh, what do you call it, stumbled by accident on Ganein and were zapped by the Lahat HaCher V'Mizapeches. So, it's really true. And there is a place on earth, he says. And uh, now you might ask me a question. What's that got to do with, with the neshama after you're dead? You know, that's the real business. But the, but, but the point he wants to make is there was a Garden of Eden which Adam and Eve lived, like a physical place like Baltimore, like New York. And, you know, there was an Eitz Chaim there. I mean, he says these words. Soda You have to understand, and this is basic to the Ramban's way of reading the Torah in general, which is you read things on double levels. There's the literal, but then there's the spiritual, which is, or metaphysical, which does not take away from the physical either. Kiganeden for Arban Horus and Eitzachayim and Eitzadas and Akruvim and the Lada Cheremisapeches and the Ali Teino that Adam and Eve wore and the Chagoras the Kosnasor Kulum Kipshuting Mashmom. They are true statements, right? Emis Adaviyatif. Okay. However, Lasod Mufla Kihim Kitsuri Dover Lahavin Sod Amuk Amuk Bamashal. Sorry about this. Somebody just came in. Um, so he has this business. As I before, they have a Ganadin upstairs, and a, a, what the, the word Ganadin has therefore a double meaning, as probably everything does in the Torah, because everything to a Makobel in the Ramban is, of course, a Makobel. Everything that exists is sort of like a, nothing but a gross uh, materialization of uh, letters, ideas, words. In the Torah itself, in the supernal Torah, you know, um, not the physical Torah you have in your shul. And um, Ganes is an example of that. Now, uh, the point he wants to make is that there's an upstairs Ganadin, there's a, ga- a downstairs Ganadin. The downstairs, the physical Ganadin, is, as I said before, a place, maybe not necessarily with the equator, but whatever it is. And it's a, that's a, a place of magical spiritual possibilities. Um, there is an Eitzadas, there is Eitzachim and all the rest of it. And if you can get past that swinging sword, you'd enter into a, a magical zone. And um, 
and there you could reach the level of Moshe Rabbeinu. That's basically what he says, you know, because that zone is uh, more, it, it can facilitate spiritual communication with upstairs. I hate to use this kind of cliches, but that's what he means. You can get Navua there, you understand? The same way he says we believe you can get Navua in, in, in Yerushalayim. Why do we say Yerushalayim is more holy, or the base of Migas is more holy? There are places, Makomos, physical Makomos, they are more Masugal for people to get, you know, uh, uh, higher uh, messages. Well, that's possible, okay? So, the question, though, is, if you're dead, so you're not physical. So how's that work? He himself admits that this is a problem. What good does it do? You're dead. You got blown up. Your Nisham is still alive. Your Nisham is not going to a physical place. He says, but you, you, yes and no. I told you, everything has a double meaning. And there's an upstairs Gan Eden and a downstairs Gan Eden, and they're called by the same name because in heaven, I'm using physical terms, in heaven, there is an Eitz Adas, and there is Eitz Achayim, and there is all that kind of stuff, you see? Uh, not physically, uh, in some, you know, uh, metaphysical, spiritual sense, but that's why the downstairs is called by what it's called, and therefore the upstairs and I'm using the word upstairs, even though I really mean a different plane of ex- uh, of existence, uh, mirrors in some sense what you see downstairs in the biblical description, which is why the Torah goes to the trouble of giving you all those descriptions, okay? Um, for example, that Chazal uh, used the word gone sometimes to talk about a certain level of apprehension or cognition, not just physically a garden. So there's such a thing called um, a certain hasaga among the Elyonim, and then there's a higher hasaga called Eden. So it's called Gan Eden for short, but neither of them means a garden in a place called Eden. Okay? But you got to be makabal to understand that. It. It's deep stuff. Now, to tell you the truth, none of that is satisfactory. Okay? Uh, and so, to, to, finally he gets to his point. And it's a little bit strange, but this is the way he understands it, and it is based on a Gemara. And I'll tell it to you out loud, and then I'll tell you the way the Ramban says it. It's not that long, but it's the way the Ramban says it. You will perhaps recall uh, those of you who learned the Gemara and Shabbos, or maybe you've seen it in uh, the, the story of the witch of Endor in the book of Samuel, Shmuel Aleph, when, when King Saul goes to the witch, right to the necromancers, to Balasov. So it's a famous question among the commentaries. How could a vile witch inquiet the soul of Samuel? That's the famous question. In other words, they're not shocked that there could be, a, you know, a, a, a machshefa, I mean, a, a, a balasov. You know, different from held different ways. Some of the medieval rationalists said that she was a faker. She can't, Nobody can do it. She just faked out Saul. But the regular mainline Mepharshim would say she did it. Get over it. So how could she go and... Uh, I mean, think about this. A Balas Ov, who's a sinner. And, you know, and for all we know, she's some gypsy somewhere or something like that. And uh, Shaul, I'm sure most of you remember the story. Uh, 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 Saul was, was about to face battle with the Plishtim. 
He was scared. He wanted to know the future. And he was desperate and resorted to desperate measures uh, because there wasn't any Navi around. Shmuel had died not long before. And so he goes to a witch, to a sorceress, to raise up the spirit of Samuel, which she appears to do. Okay? Not going like uh, Shmuel ben Chafni and the rationalists and the others. She did it. Get over it. Now, uh, how's that work? You say, how could she do that? Moreover, it's morally offensive. I mean, a machshefa can can raise up the Vilna Gon, the Chazadish? Really? You know, Rabbi Anasi? Really? They have that power? I mean, you'd like to think that a tzaddik, at least, not you and I, but a tzaddik, dies, and then they go to some Kisiyakova type place where they stay eternally. What a bummer that some, you know, talented, uh, you know, gypsy or some working in Atlantic City could pull him down and, and take him out of their sleep. Because that's what Shmuel says in the story. Lama Hirgastani Lahalosasi. Why have you waken me up? So it sounds like she got him. Really? A, a Balasov can get to the Kisi Akaba? I mean, it, really? Okay. And in the Gemara, this question is raised around 100, page 150, something like that. I don't remember exactly where. I think it was Rabbi Avo, if I'm not mistaken. You know, I actually did that Gemara for art school long ago. And the answer was, she can do it during the first 12 months after the death. Okay? The first 12 months after the death. Which means that, typically speaking, let's say somebody doesn't have a violent death. So they die and the body decomposes. But it doesn't fully <coughs> decompose for, let's say, 12 months. So something is left at a goof. And in the Gemara, it says, an angel said, something like that, that the neshama rises and falls. In other words, it, uh, it, it goes back in the body, it leaves the body. It goes back in the body, it leaves the body. It goes back in the body, it leaves the body. So in the case of the Balasov and, and Shola Melech, it was during the 12 months after Shmuel died, and the whole uh, the knowledge of necromancy, of Balasov, consisted of know, being somehow be able to discern the moment, the, the moment in time when the neshama has returned to the body. And during that time, you can sort of like hop it and, you know, catch it and and make it talk. So she, according to this, if I understand this correctly, uh, she was able to know that, um, let's say in 15 minutes, so, uh, Shmuel, who had recently died, Shmuel Anavi, then Hashem should come back and reattach itself to the body at, uh, you know, at 12.15. By 12.30, it will leave again. It won't come back for a, a little while. But during the moment that it's attached to the body, you can sort of imprison it. That's how Gemara puts it. Now, understand this well. It doesn't literally mean... Um, that you have to, um, let me put it this way, that there has to be a, a, a goof. I mean, the same thing would be, and he says this somewhere, I forget where, he says the same thing would be um, if someone died a horrible death and their body was, was blown to smithereens. You understand? Or like by Hitler, you know, they burned somebody to a crisp and they, Spread whatever you know. No, it doesn't have to actually be that there's a goof. It's expression to say 
that for a certain period after the death, the Gemara describes it as 12 months, but, you know, I don't know. If, I me, When I say I don't know, that's a statement of fact. I, me, myself, and I, I don't know. But there's some period of time of a kind of intermediate stage. Um, I remember Menashe ben Israel uses the uh, language. You know, hold on for a second. Let me find it here. Uh, one second. Here we are, one of my favorite golden oldie chitter books. Uh, Menashe ben Israel from Amsterdam in the 17th century. So uh, he talks about this issue. And he's already living after that Arizal. So he says there's a klipos. And, uh, you know, you can do things magical through klipos and things like that. Necromancers uh, can use kochazatoma to use modern language. But this must be, now I'm reading him, this must be understood within a year of death. For the body having been the residence of the soul, it cannot so quickly forget its abode. And therefore, during a year, retains that regard and connection with it, and is not at perfect rest, but ascends and descends to the grave, where it left the companion of so many years, which at time of descending, necromancers have the opportunity of subjecting it to their will, as occurred with Shmuel Navi, from his death having happened within a few months. Okay? So, it doesn't literally mean that there has to be a goof. But that there's some kind of intermediate stage, and here you go once again to Ramban with that intermediate business between between life, 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 and death, 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 and in the middle of that there's something called life, death, death, life, and that's like the twelve months period as he calls it or something like that. And I don't know how literal that is. So now the Ramban says that's when when you're in, in this limbo stage, this intermediate stage, you can the the, the neshama can sort of just like it can unite with the goof, it can also be in Ganein Atachton. Ki amokam azeh Ganein meshamashom begmul gashmi mamash lezman atchia. That this downstairs Ganein can also involve some element of giving schar to the neshama, um, you know, for for for, uh, for 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 this kind of um, period of time. Uh, plus, May I say, uh, you know, for for the for the uh, the, the twelve month period uh, that, that that's in there. Um, here you go. Od yamin rabbeinu ba goddess shezeg ganena tachtam yeshel neshama scheli b'schar ve'onik v'al bishen and goof. Quite some will hemakam imelyanim. I, the you're dead, and the neshamas are in a different a different state of being. Here it is, 152 in, in Shabbos. That's The meaning of this tradition, Kabbalah, because after all, how do you know this? This is something that the Chazal just telling you, I've taken on faith, that's what he means. Isn't that quite a statement? He holds that during the 12 months, even though the body's dead, Koach HaGuf is there. Past the death. I mean, you're not sentient, you don't feel anything, that, you know, but the Koach HaGuf is there. And the Neshama, which you would think has separated itself from the Guf, is somehow or other affected, no till a daito, 
myself ito. What does it mean? No. So that's an ambiguous phrase. I'm reading here the like kahati of that Satmar guy, I think it was, who wrote this Pirish on um the the Sharagamosa. Listen to how he puts it. Hanashama notil daito myself, meaning Hanashama Mamshicha Loleches al Pidrocha Maisa Shalguf. So in other words, the there, there's some physicality still associated with um with what he called um some physicality is still associated with the neshama, even though it's not physical. But when the neshama was in the body, it wasn't physical, but it nevertheless uh, felt physical things. So the same thing goes on even afterwards for a while. It brings to mind a mafarchesis or something like that. You know, chop of dead, but still running around. It's not the same thing, but you get the idea. Death isn't over with death. Let's put it that way, with physical death. And as he put it, uh, uh, again, the words that are on bond are, they just are hard. So that's what I told you before. You just got to get over it. He's into this intermediate business, and so he's trying to make the case, as before, So when the Gemara says something, they mean it. And if it's hard for us to understand, because it's easier for me and you, does then the Maimonidean way, which is this is A and this is B. This is the physical and this is the non-physical, and get over it. And he says, not true. There's an intermediate period of what he calls 12 months. He's got a Gemara to back it up. And during that time, your Neshama, after you die, yes, at times it goes up. Now, again, not physically, but it reaches Hasogos of the purely non-physical world. You already see Lin Shalikvar. But it also can descend, again, not physically, uh, to the point where it has um, apprehension of the physical. Okay? And then, of course, once 12 months are over, then 12 months are over. So the bottom line is, that is what happens to a person when he dies, in the immediate sense, for the 12 months. So every human, according to the Ramban, uh, goes through this kind of Olivia business, okay? And... If you're righteous, then what you're yorid into is ganeina tachton, uh, meaning you will enter, it's a soul now, it's a soul. The soul enters some kind of physical zone. Now you tell me a soul can't enter a physical zone. Well, I'll answer you, it was in the goof. That's what it means, see? It occupied, in some sense, the goof when you were alive. Look, I'm me and you're you, and I'm standing here and you're standing over there. My neshama's over here, your neshama's over there. You get it? However you worked it out, you see empirically, if you believe in the soul, that there is some kind of, you know, geographical difference between where I'm standing and where you're standing. So in the same way that my neshama can inhabit my goof for a while, it can also inhabit Ganein and Atachton. And that's a great place to be. And therefore... Once the person is dead, his body won't be there, but his neshama will. Although eventually, after 12 months, that neshama will then cease to be in the Gadena Takhtan, which according, I repeat, to him, Gadena Takhtan is a place. If you'll ask me the question, where is it? We've looked all over the earth. It's certainly not by the equator. What are you going to tell him? It's in Ghana? It's in Ceylon? 
You know what I mean? In Devil's Island? I mean, where, where's it going? Where, 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 where's the Ghanaian? You know, in the equator or south of the equator. We looked all over the place. Who can answer that? You know, I don't know. If it's Ramban, it'll say maybe it'll discover Atlantis or something. You know, it's a, who knows? Right? I want to remind you, the Ramban, Maimonides also believed that Ghanaian was a place. Now, in their time, in the Middle Ages, there were huge parts of the universe of the of the planet Earth that had not been explored. So it was easy to speculate that Ghanaian is located far away from us. But it's there. Today, this is harder because we've been everywhere. You know, um, it's a little bit like the Ten Lost Tribes. Every once in a while, you see a guy say, well, they used to believe it's here, it's there. Well, we went to Africa, we went to America, you know, we went to the North Pole. Where are the, 12 tri- where are the Ten Tribes? You know? I remember a long, long, long ago, was it when I was in high school or after, some Rebbe, nice fellow, I won't say his name, but it's a Lakewood guy, nice guy, and it was a big time to call him too, and uh, he said, well, he had a friend who said it's in Tibet. <laughs> the 10 lost tribes are in Tibet. Why? Because they haven't, you know, totally explored it. All right. But uh, but what do you call it? It's, it? I just want to say, like this, don't be smug and say, well, you know, it's all wrong can be. It does seem wrong, but you never know. Science is changing all the time. Who the heck knows? But based on where we are right now in the year 2023, you don't see no Ghanaian. Well, the Ramban says it's there. And he said, and everybody that dies, if they're righteous, they spend 12 months there. Going up and down. In other words, in there and out of there. In there and out of there. And when they're in there, it's a magical place. You know, that's uh, great for your uh, Hasagas and Avuyos and things like that. But eventually you depart there and you go to the Ghanaian upstairs. Okay? Uh, and then you're getting ready for Olam Haba, which is, uh, I'll talk another time. I just want to, so this is very strange. I mean, I, I think you'll agree with me. Uh, he does say, I misread it before, that, you know, uh, in time of Tchia Samesim, there will be a also a place for the Ghanaian and Atachton. Okay? That's only Gishar Osi Bizmana Tchia Veheros Hashchina Kilmar Bet Samocho. That what the Rambam would describe as something that's only possible, possibly, maybe, in when you're in a spiritual state. Uh, no. You know, the, the human beings who are righteous, at one, it will come a time when they'll be able to have those Hasogos of Elokus. You know, be able to discern the reality of uh, God um, um, here here on earth at the time of Tchiyas He said they'll hit the level Moshe was a weird person as the Rambam also says. He was a human being. Um, right? He was a human being. He's not a God. But on the other hand, he wasn't a regular human being. And his relation between his goof and his neshama was not the same as yours and mine. Okay? As he said, that Moshe Rabbeinu was acting as some, was uh, living a, a a different life because of the nature of the Ruach HaKodesh that, that, uh, that, that consumed him. Uh, now, all this is very unclear. Um, and I'm sure Dramban as we all know, was a big Makobol, but he's from the old school of Kabbalah, which is those who know, don't talk about it. Just shut up. Don't. It's not for the public. So, 
it's probably I, it's, this is my assumption. Reason is unclear because he doesn't want to be more clear, but it does come out rather strange. But nevertheless, I leave you with this, which is that there's not a bump on the road, but there's an intermediate stop on the road, like like a uh, you know like a you're, like you're on the turnpike and you stop for a while in one of these places to get gas and food and so forth. So uh, on the way to Olam Haba, you, you may possibly have a stop in Ghanaian. You see. Uh, but the final goal is going to be Olam Haba. See, he's much... What can I tell you? This is very typical. The Ramban, I find anyway, to be much more uh, complicated uh, than the Ramban. But it's but the reason is clear. He is very strongly opposed to what seems to be a smug attitude towards Chazals. That when they say something, well, it's just an allegory. I don't mean it. It's not a, it's ridiculous. Can't be exact. And his attitude is, is the other way around. Everything they say is true. Maybe not literal, because Ramban is, is not a literalist necessarily. He's a literalist when he can be, but doesn't have to be a literalist. But it's also not something that simply is some kind of philosophical allegory. You know, there there, there are more realities in uh, than allegories in the Ramban's world, where it's in Ramban. There's probably more allegories than realities. Um, anyway, that's. The way I understand it, and uh, once again, I went, I went a little bit late. I, uh, I want to thank Mishpach Stefanski as always. We'll try to get back on track and finish up the Ramban maybe next time. Uh, have a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.com dot rabbi david katz dot com